Our gospel reading today is taken from the gospel of Mark, as so many have been through this season uh, of the church calendar. We're reading in Mark 9, um, about midway through the gospel, uh, what we might call the penultimate uh, story of Jesus' ministry on earth, the transfiguration. Hear these words. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, as we today remember those unbelievable events in Jesus' life, speak to us. Send your Holy Spirit now to open our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It happened a year ago. This past week, last Thursday, February 8th, 2023, at about 10 in the morning, Eastern Time, at a small college in Kentucky, some students had gathered in Hughes Auditorium for their Monday, Wednesday, and Friday chapel service and prayer meeting. Pastor Reverend Zach Meerkrebs preached a sermon on becoming love in action, using Romans 12 about how important it is to be filled by God's agape love. He said, become the love of God by experiencing the love of God. This is how you do it. You are to be love in action, but you can't do that unless you first experience the love of God. When this prayer service was over, some students stuck around and asked God to fill them with this kind of love that the pastor had been talking about, this agape love. And they stayed, and they prayed, and they stayed, and they prayed, and they stayed, and they prayed. And before long, others started wandering in to the chapel joining them, asking the Holy Spirit to fall on them too, to pour out on them the agape love of God. And the auditorium began to fill 
And word spread on campus that something was going on over there in Hughes Auditorium. And people started lining up to get into the chapel. Word got out into the town. And people from town started coming to this chapel. And then the word got out through social media to friends and family and other universities. And people started coming to this little town in Kentucky. And before long, the word had spread around the country and then around the world. And people began flying to Kentucky to be a part of what was going on in this little chapel in this little town in Kentucky. And for 16 days, tens of thousands of people from around the world came to Wilmore, Kentucky, praying outside while they were waiting to go inside to pray. This is so, the so-called Asbury outpouring that happened at Asbury University, not the seminary, but at the university. I see some of you nodding your heads. You've heard of this. You know, Asbury was named after one of the founders of Methodism. This is a Methodist college. Francis Asbury was right up there with John and Charles Wesley at the foundation of the Methodist movement. There's actually, this, this Asbury outpouring has become such a moment, not just in Methodism, but, but in Christianity throughout the world. There's now a documentary you can watch about this on CBN. You can actually listen to that sermon that Pastor Zach preached that started this whole thing online. I listened to it yesterday. I remember hearing about this a few days after it happened. After it started, first in social media, through friends, and then in the news, and I've since met some people who were there and asked them a little bit about what that was like. I've read a lot about what it must have been like. Do you remember when this was going on? It went on for 16 days, two and a half weeks almost. I wonder what it would have been like to have been there. To see something like that, to be a part of that, a revival on a global scale, a mountaintop experience shared with the world. It was going on a year ago, right now, at this time. It was sad when it ended. They had to end it because of the logistics of having so many people in such a little town. Will this ever happen again? I don't know. In today's gospel, in the gospel of Mark, there have been several recurring themes that we've been looking at, and we'll see them repeated throughout the year. One is a sense of urgency. Over and over again in the gospel of Mark, you'll see the word immediately. You'll see a sense of urgency. Things are happening quickly. Don't delay. You're going to miss out. Today, we see the culmination of another theme, as Kara pointed out in the children's message. Who is this guy? As the gospel begins, you see this guy from nowhere doing miraculous things. And over and over again, the people that are witness to this say, who is this guy? He's just a fella from nowhere. This doesn't make any sense. There's, there's stories over and over again in the gospel of Mark. For example, when Jesus healed a paralyzed man, he first said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees got very angry about this. Who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. Who, can he, who does he think he is that he says, your sins are forgiven? And Jesus says, hey, you think that's hard. I'm going to heal this guy. Which do you think is harder, healing the guy or forgiving his sins? Well, I'm going to heal him too. And they couldn't believe it. Who is this guy? When Jesus calmed the storm 
It happened in another chapter, just another in the next chapter. They said, who is this guy we've been following? We've been seeing him. He now calms the storm. Even the winds and the waves obey him. When Jesus revived a dead girl, he went outside and said, she's just sleeping. And they laughed at him. Who is this guy? She's not sleeping. She's dead. And she came outside and said, hi. Even his own family, believe it or not, thought, this is a quote from Mark chapter 3, verse 21. His own family said he's out of his mind. It makes you wonder what it must have been like to be around Jesus during that time, early in his ministry. And it's really interesting that during this time, when he's doing these miraculous things, he tells his disciples, don't tell anybody what you've just seen. Keep it quiet. I, I don't understand that. I've been confused by that for some time. We'll talk about that some today. But then two events occur in the middle of the Gospel of Mark, including today's passage, which supposedly are going to clear up everything. The first event happened in chapter 8, just before today's reading, where they've gone off to Caesarea Philippi. This is a Greek village in the northern part uh, of Israel, in the mountains. They're kind of on a vacation. They're kind of getting away from everything. And while they're away from the crowds, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Who do you say that? Who do people say that I am? Because they've been asking, Who is this guy? Who do they say I am? They replied, Some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Others say you're Elijah, who we just heard was taken up in a whirlwind, never died. Maybe he's come back. Maybe he, others say you're one of the other prophets. But Jesus says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, by the Holy Spirit, said, you are the Messiah. And then you know what Jesus said? Don't tell anybody. Again, don't tell anybody. Why keep it a secret? I just, I I don't know. Hold that thought. Why in the world? So then we get to today's passage, okay? Chapter 9 in Mark. Jesus takes just three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on a high mountain. Doesn't explain what's going to happen. Just follow me. They go up there. And the Bible says very explicitly they were alone. Just the four of them. And then Jesus was transfigured. His white, his clothes turned white, whiter than bleach. Than, whiter than anybody could make. And if it wasn't enough, after his clothes turned white, Elijah and Moses show up. And they start talking to Jesus. What in the world? But we'll never know what they talked about. Some scholars say, well, Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets, and so Jesus is the fulfillment, and that's what they talked about. I kind of think it may have been more like, how did it go when you were alive doing ministry for God? You know, Moses said, well, you know, I went up on a mountain just like you're on a mountain, and I had the Ten Commandments. I came down, and those people had made a golden calf and were worshiping it instead of God? How frustrating is that? It's kind of what happened with Jesus when he came down the mountain, if you know the rest of the story. And Elijah says, well, you know what? I had this guy, Elisha, who was following me, and he was dedicated. I kept saying, stay back, stay back. I'm going up. And Elisha wouldn't let me go. And finally, I had to say, okay, Elisha, what do you want from me? And Elisha says the perfect thing. I want double portion of your spirit before you're taken up. And I can see Jesus saying, I hope my disciples are like that. But we, know, we do know the most important thing that was set up there. 
when the cloud came and God spoke. This is the, only the second time in the gospel that God speaks. The first time was in his baptism. God said, this is my son whom I love. Second time is right here at the transfiguration. And he says the same thing. This is my son whom I love. But then he adds to it. Listen to him. Listen to him. When it was over, Jesus gave him orders not to tell anybody. Again, don't tell anybody. I don't understand this. Why are we keeping this a secret? I mean, we know the answer now. We know the story now. It's in the Bible. It's not a secret anymore. So what I was thinking and praying about this sermon today, I, I really didn't know what to do with this, honestly. I wasn't sure what the message was. And, I, and, and this thought just kept coming back to me over and over again. Why was it, if this is such an important story, if this is the penultimate moment in the Gospel of Mark, succeeded only by Jesus' death and resurrection, why in the world did he only have three disciples there to witness it? Peter, James, and John. Come to think of it, why were there so few people to witness Jesus' resurrection? It's only a few, some disciples, some friends, before he was taken up. You know, I mean, if it was me, if I was running things, I would have done it, well, I wouldn't even have done it 2,000 years ago. I'd have done it like right now. I mean, I'd get Jesus on Fox News or CNN, you know, and I'd have Jesus preaching and the whole world would hear it. And his death and resurrection could be reported with live cameras so we could see it all and the world would be transformed, right? You know, somehow that doesn't feel like that would have worked, does it? Because it wasn't the words that mattered alone. They mattered, sure. But it was Jesus' love in action. What he taught. How he healed. How he saved people. How he died for us. How he was risen for us. That matters. And the reason we believe it is because we see how those acts of love by Jesus have changed people today. Still now. Still 2,000 years later. What Jesus did is changing lives right now. Maybe, maybe that's the answer to this question I've been struggling with. Why he only told a few people. Why only Peter, James, and John were up there. And why he told them to wait until after his death. Because if all they had done is come down and tell what they saw, it would have been unbelievable. But when people saw how they had been changed by Jesus' death and resurrection, by all the things that Jesus did, the fact that Jesus did it was transformative, but the fact that the people who witnessed it were changed by it changed other people too. And people could tell they were different. People could tell that because of their encounter with Christ, they weren't the same people that they had known a couple of years ago. They're different. Christ has changed them. You know what? This is still true today. When you think about that Asbury outpouring, who were the most compelling witnesses? There were a lot of bystanders who were watching what was going on. There were a lot of reporters who were telling what was going on. And there were people who were witness to it, who were a part of it, who were there in the chapel. Who would you say were the most effective witnesses? It was those that were in there. Those that were changed. 
Who do you want to hear from today? If we were to have a guest come and talk to you about the Asbury outpouring, who would you rather hear from, a reporter who covered it or somebody who was in the room who was changed by what they saw, right? Listen, this isn't easy. Who do you want for your next preacher? Somebody who can tell you the good news or somebody who's been changed by it? You know the answer to that. That's what we're all praying for, right? Well, I've got news for you. When it comes to Jesus Christ, there are people still today who ask, who is this guy? And they ain't waiting for preacher to tell them. They're asking you, how will you answer them? If you haven't been changed by Jesus Christ, if you haven't had the experience of that Holy Spirit pouring into you and transfiguring your life, if you're an interested bystander, if you're a reporter who can tell what happened, that's great. That's a good start. But I invite you to ask God to take you to the next level. I invite you to seek the same encounter with Jesus Christ that those people at Asbury had. I invite you to pray that the Holy Spirit pour into your heart right now the agape love of God that will transform your life. Because if it's happened to you, if you've been transformed by your encounter with Christ, you won't be able to keep it to yourself because it'll shine out for the world to see. You'll have been transformed. You'll have been born again, and your life will never be the same. You'll be a witness. And you don't even have to use words to do it. Because of your love and action, people will know you've been changed. And if somebody asks you, who is this guy? You won't need to say, let me tell you. You'll say, let me show you. Friends, all of us here today have heard the good news. All of us. Have you joined the greatest mountaintop outpouring of all time? If you haven't, it's not too late. Because Jesus doesn't call us to be bystanders or reporters. Jesus calls us to be witnesses. Praise God. Let us pray. Lord, it's, um, it's hard for us at times to recognize and admit the gulf that may exist between us. We know you. We can talk about you. We come to you when we've got a problem. But are our lives really that much different than they would be without you? What can we point to that says this because of you? It's hard to admit that we need help. We're proud, we're accomplished, we've got resources, we've been taking care of things on our own. In fact, we've been celebrated for our ability to do that. It's hard for us to say, Lord, I need help. It's hard for us to say, you can do this better. It's hard for us to say, I need you. Well, I'm going to say it now, Lord, for all of us. We need you right now. We need you to send that Holy Spirit. Light our hearts on fire. Fill us with your agape love. Transform our lives. We yield ourselves to you, Lord, because we have no other resource, no other recompense, no other place we can turn except for you, Lord. We need you. We love you. Pour your love into us. Lord, we confess we haven't loved you with our whole heart. 
we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We've broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. We haven't loved our neighbors. We haven't heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us. Free us. Hear us now as we pray silently prayers of confession and intercession.